Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to the show, the big show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. We're in the Red Studio today. We're traveling through. Where are we at? We're in Iowa today. We're in the great state of Iowa. We're in Iowa a lot. Approaching Des Moines. Approaching the... Actually, you're heading towards Knoxville at the moment. But yes, we're going to the Des Moines area today. So, not that it matters one bit for the topic at hand. And we have a mystery topic today. What's a mystery topic? My co-host I wouldn't does know. not know what it's about. So we're going to ta- start talking about it. And we're going to... Uh, we're going to decompress a little bit today. We're decompressing. <sighs> ah, Big deep breath. Breathe we're, out. We're taking compressed air and we're releasing it. But we're doing it in a really big hurry. Because if you get compressed and somebody lets out your pressure all at once, you can spit out dangerous little pellets of spite at them. You can. We're talking about air guns today. It's going to be a short podcast because there's not really that much to say about air guns, but I wanted to, to go ahead and bring it up because we uh, got out our air gun here after uh, a raiding party was done on our peach tree <laughs> in our yard. And tree it reminded us that we needed to get a little, little bit of practice. Now, we regularly practice with firearms, and uh, it's just something that we do, but we just re- I, I, we haven't shot this air gun in a couple of years. At least I haven't. And um, she was complaining the last time she shot it that it was very difficult for her to use. And I thought, well, let's just go ahead and get this, get, get our air gun out. And we have a Benjamin. I forget exactly which model it is. And it really doesn't matter which one it is because it's not manufactured anymore. So you can't just go buy one. They've replaced it with another model. I'm going to put a link in the show notes that, that I'm going to do along with this, which is actually a, going to be an article on 3BY of a similar type gun. And um, I'll talk about air guns in general and then our air gun in particular. Air guns are an interesting thing. There are several kinds. There's the BB gun, which is the first gun I really spent a lot of time shooting. I don't know how many thousands and thousands of BBs I have shot. How many eyes did you put out? Never once. Sorry, Mom. Never put out a a gun or a BB, an eye with my BB gun. My mom didn't mind the boy. I wasn't terribly interested at the time. She didn't mind the boys shooting 22s and things and hunting with them. But she really didn't like BB guns because she didn't think people treated them with appropriate respect. Right. And a BB gun isn't really going to hurt you unless you shoot somebody in the eye. Then it will actually put their eye out. But that's about the only thing it can do that will really hurt you. Yeah, I know you can. You know, it's possible. To be fair, it will just lodge in their eye and have to be removed. But that is no fun. So, Right. So... In truth, if you're going to be shooting a BB gun, you should have eye protection. I wear glasses, so it really that's enough eye protection from a BB gun. Impact-resistant uh, plastic eyeglasses. Yes. Now, I don't wear um, I don't shoot my... Well, I don't think we actually have a BB gun. We don't. Uh, but if we did, I would get one of those machine gun BB guns, which are really cool. That you, could, <laughs> you know, they make them. They're machine gun BB guns. And they're not really good for anything except for... You get to shoot a machine gun. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. You know. uh, probably setting up a bunch of water balloons along the top of a wall and 
oh, exploding yeah. a whole pile of them. Or getting rid of old Easter eggs after Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Had a friend who used to color Easter eggs just so she could use them as targets the next week. <laughs> yeah, but she used a 308. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's BB guns. And BB guns are a great way to train. People learn to teach people to shoot. Um, I might buy a BB gun one of these days if I could get one that's big enough for me. I want a full-size BB gun. You know, the little Red Riders are great, but they're, like, tiny. But pellet guns are actually real air guns. You have the CO2 models, which, you know, shoot with a... um, uh, canister compressed, of compressed canister and they're fun they're more fun guns and everything and then you have the high powered relatively high powered varmint type pellet guns and those are the ones i'm really going to talk about there's several kinds i used to the first one of those i had was the old crossman with the that you'd pump up till you couldn't pump any higher well, like pump 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 ah! well, get it as good as you could get it and it would shoot out a, a .177 uh, caliber bullet at about 1,000 feet per second. And I admit I've killed a lot of squirrels with that thing. It will do it. It's not as good of a humane-type hunting gun as the uh, more modern single-stroke guns are. They hit a lot harder. But, you know, I was a kid, and that's what I did. So we had squirrels. Squirrels were a pest. So I I shot many a squirrel. I shot rats with them. When the neighbor had rats under his barn. And um, you could pretty much kill a rat every time with that. After a while, we graduated uh, from shooting rats with our twenty twos to shooting them with our four ten shotguns. Well. And that was... Uh, that sounds harder on the barn. Well, I know the barn had a concrete floor, and the rat's hole were underneath the floor, so we were shooting against the concrete. It didn't hurt it a bit, shooting birdshot. But, uh, yeah, we used to get a nickel a rat. We'd turn it in. We'd turn in our rats at the end of the day and get a nickel a rat for every rat we shot. And it was this place was infested. And uh, so that's how we paid for our shells. We would reload. He had a reloader. And we'd reload our shells, and that's how we paid for the shot and everything like that was killing the rats. But anyway. That reminds me of uh, one Prepper Fiction series where one of the things that it came down to is they had competitions for the kids to see who could kill the most rats because the rats were infesting the food supplies. Yeah. And uh, there's another one, like I believe it was one second after, where you know you would buy game with a certain number of 22 rounds. So I think it was like a, each squirrel was five rounds and each rabbit was 10 rounds, I believe, or something like that, you know? So the hunters would go out and hunt and come back and you'd pay them in 22 rounds. And if they were a good enough shot, they'd make a profit. Yeah. So anyway... In a modern world today, if you're going to, the only real prepping use for uh, a, well, there's two I can come up with, for a high-powered, small game-type air rifle is varmint control. That's that's what you really use it for. Now, they actually do, in Europe, they 
especially, they have really actually super high powered air guns that can kill up to hogs. I mean, these are really high powered guns. That must use a canister. Oh yeah, yeah, but that's way beyond. We're not talking about those. I'm not. This is not. You know, you could go to one of the big air gun sites. We do not have any affiliations with any sites, so I'm not going to even mention names. But you can go to one of the air gun sites, and you can learn all you want about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an air gun that that we that we will use if we need to to control pests. There are two kinds of, of small game varmint air guns. One shoots a lot faster than the other because it's a smaller bullet, but the other has more impact power. It delivers more uh, torque. Uh, not really torque. It delivers Momentum. more punch. And that's the, the twenty two caliber pellet, and that's what we use. We use a twenty two caliber gun. It's a single break gun, which means it has you... Uh, Pop open the barrel, and then you charge the gun by uh, pressing down a pneumatic piston by cranking the barrel. You bend it down, and it's pretty stout. I mean, it really actually is pretty stout. When he said it was difficult for me to use, it wasn't that it was hard for me to use. It was that it bruised me to use. Because I was doing it the way he showed me originally. He Which big, I can do. He big strong man. Where he set the butt on uh, his thigh, and he broke the barrel and pulled the barrel toward him with the rest of the stock against his shoulder to pull the piston in. And I had plenty of strength to pull that back. That wasn't a problem. But what was happening is I was getting bruised where I was the, the butt was sitting on my thigh, and the part of my hand that I had to pop the barrel to get the barrel to break, I was getting bruised there. It's not that it took too much force for me. It's that I had to exert enough force that I was bruising myself because I'm a, a, a bruisy girl, I, I suppose. Not not big, strong man, anyway. So we went out last weekend, and I showed her a different technique for doing it, which did not bruise her. It's much Just setting the butt on the ground instead. Set the, yeah, set the butt on the ground. Now, we, since we were on a concrete surface there, we actually were doing it at our local gun range because well, we were there anyway. And, uh, Good backdrop. So, so we put a put a old rag on the floor to keep the, the bottom, the concrete from scratching up the, the pad of the gun. And uh, we had to do a little bit of sighting in because it hadn't, you know, it was off after a couple of years of just sitting around the house. But once it was on, it was making one big ragged hole at thirty yards. And we got a little scope on it, a little little uh, uh, scope, whatever came with it, a little nine power uh, scope. But uh, yeah, you know, that, it was, it's not going to have a lot of range. So uh, not much of a scope is necessary to do a really good job. Right. And they make air gun specific scopes because air guns have a really weird, uh, they don't recoil the way a regular gun does. They more shimmy, shake and jump. And if you don't use air gun scopes, you use a regular scope, uh, it can break them really quickly. So you want an air gun specific scope. This scope came with the gun. And there are some guns out here that have a special dampening system for their scopes, and those are really good. Uh, this one doesn't. So you'll go through, well, you'll, even with an air gun specific scope, you'll go through a lot of scopes. 
because they just they shake the thing apart because they're weird recoil. So if you're going to be depending upon an air gun, you should have multiple air guns and you should have extra scopes. The good news is you can shoot them all day for two bucks or five bucks or, you know. And you can put a whole lot of ammunition for one in a very small space. And that ammunition requires absolutely nothing but keeping it dry. Plus, there is a giant plus to air guns I want to bring up here. I don't enjoy cleaning guns. I clean mine carefully after every use, except when Salty is so extremely generous as to uh, clean mine for me. It's not an expected service, but I sure appreciate it. Which I do from time to time. Yeah, he's faster. I'm faster. But you don't have to clean an air gun. No. So it's like, yeah, I'd kind of like to go shooting, but I really don't feel like cleaning my gun today. All right, I'll shoot the air gun. Yeah, it costs virtually nothing. So we're going to actually shoot this air gun more and more as, you know, time goes by. Just because, you know, it's fun, you know, and, and you put up a, a little target. What was that, an inch target? You know, that. Yeah, the, the red, the, the orange the, the, dot we had out there. Was was an inch? Yeah. Yeah. Something like and that. we were able to, you, we were able to pound tacks in it. That's and a squirrel brain size. If we were missing, it was us, not the gun. You know, any variance in it was not the gun. Um. You know, my first shot, once it was sighted in, went, went dead smack in the middle of the red. And this is at 30 yards. Now, 30 yards is about what I would recommend with a 22 caliber air gun if you're going to humanely kill an animal. And by animal, I'm talking squirrel. I'm talking rabbit. I'm talking rat. I'd go twice that distance to dissuade something from being in my garden. Yeah. Like I mean, shoot it at the butt of the groundhog or something. You know it's not going to kill it. But it'll make it decide that maybe somewhere else is a better place to be. Yeah, or chip it, shoot right under it, and pop the pop it with the uh, soil that pops up. Chipping it will discourage things. Now, here's the caveats. We live in Missouri, which is a free state. We're not going to be getting into politics, but Missouri is a free state. It's a state that has very reasonable gun laws, if any gun law is reasonable. More than that's, you know, we're not going to talk about that. But it has, you know, air guns are not controlled in Missouri, and they're not considered firearms in Missouri. There are, however, a lot of states where they are considered firearms. And there are even states that require you to register them and go through all that licensing Stuff. This is a G-rated podcast, so I have to watch what I say. <laughs> we don't do politics at 3BY, but we are pro-Second Amendment. That's our one exception. And anyway, I mean, you know, our good friend Paranoid Prepper lives in... And less free state. ...the People's Republic of, of uh, New Jersey. And there, a Red Rider BB gun is considered a firearm. Which is patently stupid. Stupid. Perhaps they haven't been introduced to the meaning of the word fire, but, you know, whatever. So <laughs> you should check your local laws. Now, some people say, oh, yeah, well, I live in town, but I could shoot an air gun. Can you? Can You're a lot you? likely, more likely to get away with it because yes. it's quiet. It's a little more quiet, yeah. Although this gun that we have, it's, it's got a silent, quote-unquote silencer on it, but it's still plenty loud. 
And very unusual to shoot if you're wearing ear protection. I found it very kind of uncomfortable to shoot. Because yeah, I wasn't wearing ear protection because I was shooting it, and it's it's right, so was, quiet that I don't use right, ear but protection. I, you were I, shooting your clock. Do. Yeah. While I was shooting this thing, and, <laughs> and so I was the ear protection wasn't for the was wasn't for the air gun. It was for your Glock, which yeah. was you know pounding away underneath. And we're both sitting underneath or standing or whatever underneath the canopy of a uh, firing range, and you're six feet away from me shooting a nine millimeter. I'm wearing ear protection. Uh huh. So, yeah, there's that. So worth it for pest removal, especially since rats can be a problem, uh, especially in outbuildings, but also uh, places that have dumpsters in the back. And if you're living in a city and there's no good trash removal, pretty soon the place is going to be overflowing with rats, frankly, Uh, which uh, I read can be eaten. They were habitually eaten in medieval cities. They would have uh, rat killers that would get paid for killing rats, and then they got to uh, roast and sell. Rat on, on a steak. Rat yeah. on a steak. And, of course, in the British Navy during the Napoleonic era, it was very common for midshipmen to eat rats, although they did not call them and rats. Sailors. They call, and sailors. They did not call them rats. They called them millers because they, they ate better they that made, way. They eaten that way, yeah. Because the rats would infest the ships, and it's... By the end of a long voyage, there wouldn't be a rat on that ship. <laughs> they eating it dry, seriously. So... But be awfully careful when you're cleaning them, because they do are disease transmitters, and their fleas are disease transmitters. Ticks yes. are disease transmitters, so... And I'm thinking about the Aubrey Matron books, and be very careful that... Dr. Matron is not using them as, a, as experimental animals in one of his experiments. Be careful of that, too. Don't eat a lab rat that's been used in an experience. Firm, or in, in an experiment. Firm rule. Although... Their livers do make decent fish bait, um, I hear. Do-do-do. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're going to, I'm going to tell, we're going to, I'm going to give her the aside today. <laughs> And we're going to talk about somebody who has been, who has made his memory known in our household. Ready for? Psycho Rat. Oh. Psycho Rat. Uh, I don't <laughs> like Psycho Rat. Psycho Rat. I, uh, this was back when I was doing my graduate work. And uh, we used uh, rats as experimental animals in our graduate work. Sorry if that bothers you, but it's what we did. So there we are. Yeah, unless you want to volunteer to be the first person, first mammal to be experimented on to find out if a new drug treatment works, you know, that's kind of how it's got to be. So that's what we were doing anyway. And uh, most lab rats are actually very nice, very tame, very calm creatures. Because, to be that way. yeah. And the people who take care of the animals are often the same ones who have to um, <laughs> say it. Uh, choose the ones that get experimented on and which ones you keep for breeding. And which ones do you keep for breeding? The ones that bite or the ones that don't? And Thought if, so. And if you're in an <laughs> educational, if you're in an educational, uh, place, you know, this, they, they keep reptiles and stuff like that. And snakes gotta eat. Snakes gotta eat. And that's what they eat from is they eat from the animal colony. The, 
habitually. So which which ones are you going to feed to the snakes? The nice ones or, or the, the ones, ones that, that are bite. jerks? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're so the, the, the bitey jerk. ones get fed to the snakes, and then you get to keep handling the ones that are nicer to you. So most lab animals are very nice natured thing, but there, for whatever reason, I don't really know. There was one rat that had been kept around for years and years, and gotten huge. This rat was like a kilo or more than a kilo. That's it's big, a big rat, and it was. We called it psycho rat. Because instead of the usual behavior or even what a normal wild rat behavior would be, which is much more aggressive, this thing was just out to eat your face off. (laughs) And I didn't know that at the time. I just knew it was a really big rat that one of my fellow graduate students, who is somewhat more timid than I, asked if I would. It was time to use Psycho Rat for an experiment. And she asked if I would transfer the rat to the anesthesia jar for her because she did not uh, want to handle this. Well, she was fairly timid, so I didn't. I took that with a grain of salt. Okay, she's afraid of it. That doesn't mean I need to be afraid of it. But it does mean I, I mean I need to put on the big heavy gloves because you never know. So I put the anesthesia jar in the hood because we always did full full anesthesia on these guys before we did anything with them. And then you do full anesthesia in the hood. Yeah, because uh, I don't particularly want to breathe the anesthetic and take a nap with the rat. That's not really You're not trying to knock yourself out. You don't want to find out if rats will actually eat your toes if you're unconscious. That's not the goal. (laughs) So I, I set up the jar in the hood, and I got the rat cage in the hood, and... I had the the big, heavy asbestos gloves we used for handling really hot materials were also nice rat-handling gloves if it was a they're hard to bite. suspicious about it being an aggressive animal. Yeah, because you can't bite through them very well. So I had the big gloves on, and just because she called it, uh, she asked me to do it, and it was such an uncommonly big rat, I also pulled down the shield of the hood much farther than usual, so it was all the way down to my elbows, and I had this um, impact shield in front of me from the safety hood. And then I uh, opened the cage, and I grabbed the tail of the rat. doesn't hurt him to be moved around by the tails. And I go to uh, move the rat over and put it in the anesthesia jar. And this sucker grabs the rim of the big, heavy anesthesia jar, just tosses that big, heavy jar to the side, turns around, fastens his teeth on my glove, and starts going after the glove. Well, in the uh, trying to manipulate my hand to get control of that rat, because I didn't want it squirting out of that hole under the hood, um, he got free of the hold on his tail. And the first thing he does when he's free is he turns around and sees my face, and he leaps at my face. She just made a leaping, though. She's got her hands out. She's she's doing the leaping thing. Because he had his little claws out, and his teeth were bared, and he was jumping at me teeth first. He bounced off the impact shield right in front of my face as he was going for my face. And as he jumped again, I got my hand out in front of him. And uh, got the big glove out in front of him, and he landed on the glove, and he starts gnawing, gnawing, gnawing on the glove, trying to get through it and find my fingers underneath. And I'm like, oh, this was unexpected. (laughs) (laughs) 
And since the anesthesia jar had been tossed aside, I decided this was the time to call in the cavalry. I I, uh, let go of my hand for a moment. I withdrew my hands and I slammed the uh, safety shield down him. So now he's trapped in the safety shield. And I went to find one of my fellow, also more intrepid graduate students (laughs) to assist me in the capture and control of Psycho Rat. (laughs) Yeah, that was way too exciting. Uh, I've seen barn rats that big, but I've never seen a barn rat that aggressive. The moral of the story is, eventually, um, they were able to control the rat. Yeah. And the we'll, other, leave, we'll leave it at that. The other moral of the story is, if you have enough animals around, somebody's always on the high end of the curve. Somebody's always going to be more aggressive than everybody else. So the fact that most rats won't run up to a person and bite them doesn't mean there are no rats who would never intentionally run up to a person and try and bite them. So pest removal is going to be a necessary thing. And especially in cities, I expect it's going to be a necessary thing. Oh, is because that what we were the, talking about? I've already lost the dream. Yeah, before. this was the air gun. We are oh, talking air, air guns here. Oh, yeah, here. okay. I, just, I was just envisioning a psycho rat who I never met. <laughs> But the stories may be vivid enough to help you imagine Psycho Rat. Psycho Rat. But that's the deal. I would want to have something like that. You can also, if you are a little careful about your background, you can also shoot that in a populated area without worries about the bullets you're shooting going through walls and hitting people on the other side. Right. A bullet out of a twenty-two can go a mile. A bullet out of a twenty-two air gun will not go a mile. And it will lose its its, uh, critical energy really quickly. Yeah, even a normal interior wall, I imagine, would stop one of these air gun pellets, or at least it would take out most of its impetus. It would take out most of it. I don't know. I'm, well, I don't really know. I've never tried. I've never shot one in the house, to be honest with you. And uh, Yeah, we I, I, try not to roll that way. <laughs> but You know, we could do an experiment. I'm curious now. I think I'm going to do that. We can find a little bit of yeah, uh, drywall. Yeah, drywall, yeah. Just a scrap of drywall. And, and or a little uh, bit of plywood and see if it goes through. Yeah. Don't think it would go through plywood either, but I could do oh, I'm sure it wouldn't go through plywood. We're going to try that. We're going to do a little we experimenting can... find out what, what it will go through and what it won't. So, so we'll know. But I'm not going to actually shoot it in my house. We'll take the range and shoot it there. So, yeah, we've got plywood backings down there. Anywho, air guns. For pest removal and practice, you don't even have to clean it afterward. And they're cheap. Not the air guns themselves aren't cheap, but they, the shooting them is. Get a good air gun; it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks or more. But uh, you know, to me, I definitely think it's a it's a really good, strong survival type tool. So I would definitely have one in my arsenal. I do have one in my arsenal. So there we go. Thank you. And we'll catch you next time.